the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Chinese Communist Party pledges to crack down on protesters. Eventually, the Chinese people are going to win over the party. The House passes legislation to halt a rail strike. A lot of upset and a lot of discontent right now amongst the uh, the working railroads. The EU threatens Elon Musk with a European Twitter ban unless he agrees to content moderation. Twitter could be banned in the EU or face a number of fines. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Thursday, December 1st. I'm Mike Scott. Taking a look at the ongoing protests in China, according to reporting there, the Chinese Communist Party has resolved to activate their security apparatus in order to stem the mass protests that have popped up around the country. As a result, police have begun patrolling streets and checking cell phones. China here, they're using its playbook of repression, surveillance, individual intimidation tactics, and also police flooding the places where protests have broken out in recent days and proactively going to any places where potential future protests are planned in order to stop them from ever happening. I was at the protests in Beijing earlier this week when I went back to the exact same location the following day. It was eerily quiet with masses of police cars as far as the eye could see. And what is chilling here, Jake, is that some of this intimidation playing out in broad day in massive metropolitan cities. Police randomly stopping people walking around where protests broke out in Shanghai. You can see in the video there, ordering people to delete content from their phones. There are other videos that appear to show police randomly checking the cell phones of passengers on the subways in Shanghai. Protesters have told us that police are checking if people have installed VPNs that can be used to circumvent China's firewall. Protesters need VPNs in order to use banned apps like Twitter and messaging apps like Telegram for communication. The protests began over the weekend and spilled into Monday and Tuesday in response to the country's draconian zero-tolerance COVID policy that some blame for a deadly apartment fire that killed 10. Some protesters are not only at their breaking point with the COVID lockdowns, but they're also calling for democracy and calling for Chinese leader Xi Jinping to step down. Over the past few days, protests have not just been contained in China itself, but have sprouted up across Chinese communities across the world. It's a display of public rage not seen in China for decades. And what began as opposition to strict anti-COVID restrictions has moved into something bigger. A thinly disguised challenge to those in power from Beijing to Hong Kong. We don't want authoritarianism. We want human rights. We don't want monarchy. The protests have become too loud to ignore. The ruling Communist Party has staged a massive show of force by security services. 
and vowed a resolute crackdown on what it's labeled sabotage activities by hostile forces. On Wednesday, the Chinese Communist Party issued its first official, if not veiled, response to the domestic upheaval. The party's foreign ministry spokesperson said through an interpreter that China is a country of laws. China is a country governed by the rule of law, and the various legal rights and freedoms enjoyed by Chinese citizens are fully guaranteed in accordance with the law. At the same time, any rights and freedoms must be exercised within the framework of the law. The ministry went on to say that they will, quote, resolutely strike hard against infiltration and sabotage activities by hostile forces, as well as illegal and criminal acts that disrupt social order. Gordon Chang is the author of The Coming Collapse of China, joined the Salem Radio Network and says that he believes we are witnessing the beginning of the end of the Chinese Communist Party. I do believe that we are seeing the first stage of the collapse of China. And the reason is that uh, there was a fire in Urumqi in northwestern China on Thursday. And then immediately, Charlie, across the country, east, west, north, south, you saw these large protests. They weren't organized. They were not coordinated. There were no leaders. People just went onto the streets. And when they were on the streets, they not only were complaining about COVID lockdowns, They were complaining about the Communist Party and Xi Jinping, specifically saying down with the Communist Party, down with Xi Jinping. That's revolutionary sentiment. Chang says that while the CCP will crack down on the protest, the Chinese people will ultimately be victorious. Now, the Communist Party can squelch uh, protests. They're very good at that. But because of the way the people feel, and this is deep-seated and widespread, We are going to see these protests again when there's another incident. And because China's not really relenting on COVID, I think we're going to see one fairly soon. Eventually, the Chinese people are going to win over the party. The coming collapse of China author says that, in his opinion, America is considered an enemy of the CCP because of the value of liberty that the U.S. inspires in people across the world. We know that there is this widespread discontent, resentment, and anger. We don't know, and I've been wrong on timing about this, but um, we do know that eventually the Chinese people are just going to get gather in such mass, the party will um, fade away. And you know, you're absolutely right. From the party's point of view, their biggest threat is are the people of China. And because of the way they define that, They then look at the United States as an existential threat because they are worried about the inspirational impact of our values and form of governance on the Chinese people. So the Communist Party makes an enemy of the United States, the strongest country in the world. That shows you what you were absolutely saying, that once you have a regime that uh, doesn't is not founded on liberty, it will fail. Chang goes on to explain why Christianity is now a threat to the Chinese Communist Party. And there's another aspect to this, and that is that the fastest growing um, phenomena in China today is not communism, but is Protestant Christianity. And one of the reasons why the Communist Party has such trouble dealing with it, and there are many reasons, 
but one of them is that atheists don't understand um, religion, and they don't understand the power of religion, and so that's why they've not been able to control it, and that's why there could very well be, you know, no one knows the number of Protestants in China, but you'll hear estimates anywhere from 50 to 130 million. Um, that, that also suggests one other thing. Because they banned, uh, for the most part, Christianity, um, it's gone underground. Because mm-hmm. it's gone underground, the Communist Party doesn't know about it. Um, they can't control it. And so you put those two things together, the, the failure to understand religion and driving religion underground has made Protestant Christianity a mortal threat to the Communist Party. Chang also says that Xi Jinping may try to unite the Chinese people through war with another country. Xi Jinping right now, he has all these domestic failures of which he is the author of. He has no way he can solve them. The only thing that he can do to unite the Chinese people is to go to war. And I actually don't think it's going to work, but it doesn't matter what I think. I think that Xi Jinping thinks it's going to work. And so we have a sense of urgency of what China will do in Taiwan, Japan, the Philippines, India, um, somewhere. We've got to be really concerned that he can take us by surprise. The current wave of civil unrest in China has been the most prolific since the Tiananmen Square pro-democracy movement in 1989. On Wednesday, lawmakers on Capitol Hill made waves as they passed legislation in the House trying to avert a nationwide rail strike. The resolution passed in a 221 to 207 vote, mainly along party lines. We've just learned a few minutes ago that the House has voted to block a strike by railway workers, but the future of this potential strike still up in the air. The decision now goes to the Senate. President Biden says he's grateful for the House decision and is asking the Senate to act urgently to avoid a shutdown. This morning, the House voted 290 to 137 to impose a previously tentative deal between the rail companies and employees. The deal would give employees better pay and better health benefits. If an agreement is not reached or forced by Congress, workers could still go on strike. If the strike does go through, it would be a massive blow to the U.S. economy, costing an estimated $2 billion per day, according to some experts. Plus, it would freeze rail lines for nearly 7 million commuters and travelers. The House also approved a separate bill, this one adding seven days of paid sick leave for rail workers. Currently, they are only allowed one. However... Some Democratic lawmakers disapproved of that bill, saying that it doesn't do enough for rail workers, whose main sticking point is paid sick leave. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders wrote in a tweet, quote, At a time of record profits in the rail industry, it's unacceptable that rail workers have zero guaranteed paid sick days. Ron Kaminka of Railroad Workers United says that Rail workers are unhappy with the Biden administration. Well, unfortunately, the most labor-friendly president, quote-unquote, we've ever had, um, basically has opted to side with the Class 1 carriers, uh, Class 1 rail carriers, because he had the opportunity, uh, and he's had that opportunity since this whole debacle began, uh, to basically 
urge, coax, cajole, and otherwise badger and bully the rail carriers into meeting what are very, very modest demands of rank-and-file railroad workers. Um, and in his latest request here to Congress to legislate us basically uh, back to work before we even had a chance to strike, um, under the terms and conditions of the tentative agreement, which is not very popular with the rank and file. Kaminkow explains the sticking point for rail workers and why he believes the president doesn't understand the workers. We have uh, unions that represent 55% of rail labor have voted this contract down. And so we could have seen Biden actually opt for telling Congress, he would like to see Congress pass legislation uh, that uh, mediates an end to the conflict uh, under which more favorable terms to the workers, which is to say a handful of sick days. And that's what this has come down to. Uh, Railroad workers traditionally have had no sick time. And now with the very, very harsh attendance policies that we're faced with, Railroad workers get very, very little time off work, and it has come to a crunch point. We're seeing workers leaving the industry in droves, in numbers never, ever believed possible. People with 15 and 20-year seniority are leaving the industry, uh, and there's a crisis out there. And I don't believe the Biden administration quite understands the depth of this crisis. The Railroad Workers United spokesperson goes on to say that rail workers feel betrayed by the Biden administration. Now we come down to the wire and contract negotiations where literally what separates the parties is a handful of sick time, sick time that most workers actually uh, have achieved decades and decades ago, but railroad workers have traditionally gone without. And we finally have said enough is enough. We want a handful of sick days, and yet the rail carriers see fit to dig in their heels. Uh, These Fortune 500 companies who have made, like I say, record profits these last 25 years uh, and refuse to give us anything. And unfortunately, the Biden administration is incapable of siding unequivocally with us as the most labor-friendly president ever. uh, We would have expected that from him. So there's a lot of a lot of upset and a lot of discontent right now amongst the uh, the working railroaders. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said that both he and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell have agreed to get the deal done as soon as possible. In an historic vote, House Democrats pick Hakeem Jeffries to replace Nancy Pelosi as party leader. We get details this morning from Capitol Hill and Daybreak Insider correspondent Bernie Bennett. House Democrats on Wednesday elected New York Representative Hakeem Jeffries to head the party in the next Congress, marking a generational shift after 20 years under the reign of Speaker Nancy Pelosi, while making Jeffries the first black person to lead either party in Congress in the nation's history. The shift was no surprise. After Pelosi and her top deputies announced earlier in the month that they would step out of the top three leadership spots next year, Jeffries was one of three next-generation leaders who quickly swept in to solidify their place as uncontested contenders atop the party brass. Bernie Bennett in Washington. A potential showdown between Twitter and Apple seems to have been averted. Elon Musk took to his newly acquired social media platform and stated that he met with Apple CEO Tim Cook to work out their misunderstandings. 
Yahoo Finance's tech editor Dan Howley explains what is known about the meeting between the two giant businessmen. Elon Musk says that he got the tour uh, with Tim Cook. And so, you know, we've reached out to Apple. We haven't received any kind of confirmation that they did actually meet. Um, You know, we haven't uh, heard anything from Apple uh, regarding Elon Musk's other tweets as well. Uh, So really, at this point, we can just say, you know, this is what Musk is saying. But then again, you know, he also tends to troll people on Twitter. So we don't know for sure uh, if he's being serious about having gone to meet with Tim Cook. If he did, though, this is a big change just because of those, you know, back and forth, not really back and forth, just back uh, uh, to uh, Tim Cook tweets that uh, Musk had sent basically challenging uh, the company. The news comes as the European Union issues a threat to the Twitter CEO with a ban as well. Unless Musk implements its strict rules of content moderation, setting up a potential content moderation battle. Howley explains that while Musk has stated that he is willing to abide by the EU's regulations, with Musk cleaning house at the social media company, he may have to hire more content moderators. This has to do with the uh, regulations that they have regarding social media over in Europe. And essentially, they have to, uh, a company like Twitter, if it's going to operate in the EU, has to abide by those regulations. And so uh, they're saying, look, you have to ensure that uh, you're moderating content properly, uh, that you have the right uh, processes in place to properly moderate content. And I think, you know, this is something that after Elon kind of fired all those people, it could be difficult for Twitter to pull off if that's the case then Twitter could be banned in the EU or face a number of fines. So, you know, he's said that, uh, according to this report, uh, he's talked to uh, the folks in the EU, said that he wants to follow that, said that he agrees to follow that, uh, these guidelines. But, you know, uh, what it comes down to is how is he going to do that with a skeleton crew? He's going to have to really staff up soon. In October, U.S. job openings dropped slightly but still remained quite high. Economic experts say that the Federal Reserve is still closely monitoring the figures on job openings as it tries to get a handle on the task of slowing hiring in the economy to try and cool inflation. Daybreak Insider's Rita Foley takes a look at the latest numbers from inside the Labor Department. The number of open jobs dropped from September to October, but it's still a high number. 10.3 million job vacancies in October, down from 10.7 million. The number of people quitting their jobs also slipped in October to 4 million from 4.1 million. Now, what does all this mean? Well, it means employers still need workers, but slightly fewer of them. The Federal Reserve is closely watching all of this for signals about the strength of the job market. It's trying to slow hiring and slow the broader economy to cool inflation, but it's trying not to cause a recession as it does that. I'm Rita Foley. New research says that Popeye had the right idea. You need to eat your spinach. Daybreak Insider's Tasha Stevens has more on what should be in your salad. A new study of 80,000 men over the age of 60 says men can reduce the risk of colorectal cancer by eating vegetables like broccoli and spinach. Researchers say those eating the most green vegetables, nuts, and whole grains could lower their risk of colorectal cancer by up to 22 percent compared to those who ate the least. Tasha Stevens reporting. And finally, 
Sounds like something right out of a movie, but San Francisco's Board of Supervisors has approved a policy that would potentially allow police to arm robots with explosives to kill people in extreme circumstances. Sloan Glass is with News Nation and says that the robots would simply be used like any other tool that is available to police. Police have had these robots as a tool for years to de-escalate in patrols or SWAT team situations to disarm explosives. The risk associated with robotic technology at this point is relatively small, given, given the kind of technology. Two amendments were made to the measure. One, saying that officers can only use the robots after officers have exhausted all other options. The second, saying only the chief assistant, chief operations, or deputy chief of special operations may authorize its use. However, Glass does point out that critics of that decision say the use of robots will sow distrust. Opponents of the measure argued it would sow distrust within communities. In a letter, the San Francisco Public Defender's Office called the policy dehumanizing and militaristic. Brandon Allenby is professor of civil and environmental engineering and says that the idea of robots isn't a neutral one. Robots are not a neutral technology. All of us have seen so many science fiction uh, movies, read so many science fiction books about robots that they have these psychological dimensions. Allenby goes on to explain that, in his opinion, if things go wrong with the robots, then police will be held accountable. You're really not looking at a very challenging ethical situation because you know who's responsible if something goes wrong. It's the police officers. Now, can the technology sometimes malfunction? Sure. In Oakland, California, the police force there dropped a similar proposal after a public backlash. I'll be back. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.